Hi, my name is Nicholas Moore. Um, I grew up in a Christian home and uh, accepted Christ, my Lord and Savior, when I was uh, six years old and uh, got baptized. Um, to me, uh, that young, and it really didn't mean much to me, and I just kind of did it to go with the crowd. And uh, I've reached a point in my life where I've decided that I truly need uh, Christ as my Lord and Savior and to be with Him and have a walking relationship with Him. And uh, so I'm here today, you know, to let everybody know that I'm ready to move forward my relationship with Christ and get baptized and let the world know that He is my Lord and Savior. And I am Brittany Moore, Nick's wife. And I accepted the Lord into my heart and I've never been baptized before, but I am ready to do it and begin the journey. My name is Leah. I've decided to get baptized to give control of my life to God. Since I was saved, I've had kind of an on-again, off-again relationship with God. Um, but over the last year, I've had to go through a lot of difficult personal issues uh, that made me recognize that I can't do it on my own. So I needed God's help, and He showed me His power in my weakness. And I'm ready to make that full-time commitment to Christ. My name is Laura Miller. I am 24 years old, and I decided to get baptized. I just recently gave my life to Christ November of this past year, 2009, and this is something that I've very, I'm very new at. I wasn't raised in church. I never had the guts to ask the questions, and it pretty much took me hitting rock bottom to where I had nowhere else to go but to Christ, and that's when I finally decided to start asking, and luckily I was introduced to somebody who attended one church and it took one session of going the end of November and I decided from that point on that that's how I was going to live my life and here I am today. Dude, let's give it up for those guys. I got to be honest with you, I, I, the, the most excited I get all during the week is seeing, seeing stories like that. Man, I just, I, I just, I just, it makes everything worth it. It makes it all worth it. You know, um, the last lady on there, Laura, uh, who just shared her story, um, we sat down and talked about the week before, and it's just amazing. I mean, you heard her say, I mean, she showed up at one church once, and she began a relationship with God. And uh, that's just awesome. Is Laura here today? She made it being in here first. Hey, what's up, Laura? Praise God for Brittany and Nick and Laura and Leah just saying, you know what? I don't care who knows. I don't care who knows. I love God. And what's amazing is the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, it says that while we were yet sinners, Jesus loved us. See, some of you, you may be here today and you're like, you know, I've never been to church before. Or maybe I've been to church when I was a little kid and I did that thing. And I've just, uh, I've not had a good experience. Or maybe I don't know anything about the Bible. Um, Maybe I don't know anything about Jesus. I want to just say, all of us have been there. No one is born with a relationship with God. It just doesn't naturally happen. In fact, the Bible says that when we were born, we weren't born in a relationship with God. We were born far away from God. And yet we saw four stories here of people who just literally stepped over that line and said, you know what? I love him. And he loves me. That just didn't happen. Somebody had to tell them. Somebody had, I mean, Laura said it herself. You know, I'm just so glad that somebody, they told me about one church and I came and I was able to hear about God's love. And now here I am. That happened with Leah. That happened with Brittany and Nick. And the thing I'm wanting to just spend a lot of time talking about this morning is it can happen to you and it can happen with other people around you. Question is, Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to make a difference? A huge, wild, amazing, huge difference in somebody's life. Because I do. And I believe you do. And the cool thing about where we're going today in this little book of Esther that we're almost done. This is the second to last week that we're on. 
is the whole thrust of today. And what we're reading is that you can make a difference. But in order for you to do that, you got to do what somebody did with Leah and Laura and Nick and Brittany. You have to open your mouth. You have to speak and you have to say something. You know, the the first week, and we're going to go over our big ideas that we've talked about through the entire book of Esther. The first week, we were in Esther chapter 1, and we looked through this entire first chapter, and we saw that God's name wasn't anywhere in this first chapter. And we discovered that not only is his name anywhere in the first chapter, it's not even anywhere in the book. So you're like, where's God? And some of you, you're asking that same question right now. My spouse just deployed on Monday. Where's God? I just lost my job. Where's God? We found and we talked about that even though God's name is not on this book, his fingerprints are all over it. And even when you can't see God at work, he's working behind the scenes. That's what we talked about that first week. Second week, Esther chapter 2, we saw how God took this little Jewish orphan very poor girl, and thrust her into the limelight and became the queen of Persia, became the queen of the most powerful person in the world at that time, the leader of Iran, because that's where Persia's at. And we saw that God chose Esther, not just in spite of the pain that she experienced, because she grew up without any parents. That God chose Esther not in spite of all of that pain, but because of it. That God wants to use your story, even the painful parts of your story, to be, able to, to be able to change the stories of others. That was our second week, our big idea. Last week, we looked at the, the enemy of the story. His name is Haman. Boo. And uh, he was on par with a Hitler. Because just as Hitler slaughtered six million Jews during World War II, Haman... If y'all do it again this sermon, I am going to hop off this stage. All right, I'm just going to say that. So, and y'all don't want to see me hop. All right. Anyway, they call, you know, Jordan Air Jordan. I'm like Earth Edmondson, right? All right. Gravity has its hold on me. All right. Anyway, don't know where that came from. But we saw the bad guy of the story who was just like Hitler. And how this dude, the reason why he even existed was because 500 years before, a Jewish king chose to disobey God. And we looked at our last week, this big idea that sin affects you, but it never just stops with just you. It always spreads to other people. It spreads to your co-workers. It spreads to your friends, your buddies. It, It spreads to your family, and it especially spreads to your children. That when we disobey God, there's always consequences and they don't just end with you. And now, because one person sinned 500 years later, here we got this bad guy by the name of Haman who's just like Hitler, killing, wanting to kill everybody. And hear me, King Xerxes made Haman, not knowing of his evil past, made him the second hand of the entire empire. He's like the vice president and he has the ability to make laws and he makes a law exterminating all the Jews. I want to, before we go any further, I want to read Esther chapter 2 verse 17 and it's talking about Esther being crowned queen. It says, and the king loved Esther and declared her queen. But Esther had told, not told anyone of her nationality and her family background because Mordecai had not directed her to do so. Now, Esther chapter 3, verse 13 says, Haman gave the order that all the Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be, and look at these three words, killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. And what day was that? March 7th. In fact, when we talked about this last week, you remember what day last week was? March 7th. This past week, the Jews have been celebrating, this past week, have been celebrating what we've been talking about here, about God, God stepping in and him protecting them. We're going to be talking about that next week. All right. But on March the 7th of next year, then the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa, which is the capital of Persia, fell into confusion. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done... He tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and he went out into the city crying aloud with a bitter wail. He went as far as the city gate of the king's palace, and as news of the king's decree 
reached all the provinces, there was, look at this, great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. That just means they were, they were depressed. I mean, they showed it. Now look at this last part. When Queen Esther heard about Mordecai's troubles, she was deeply distressed. Notice, whose troubles did Esther realize? Mordecai's troubles. Now remember, Mordecai, he's a Jew, and Esther is a Jew. But Esther doesn't know anything about this. You see, this is about five years after she has been crowned queen, and she is so pampered, she is so insulated from the real world, she's so indulged with royalty that she doesn't even know that Haman and her husband just signed her death warrant. I mean, she is so insulated from the real world, she doesn't even know what's going on. You know, not just having influence, in, uh, not influence, but affluence and stuff and money and things can insulate us. And we can become just like her, us in America. You know, we can see other things can happen all over the world and horrific things in America, we never hear about them. Or we turn on the news on, on Channel 6, uh, and excuse me, at 6 o'clock on Channel 4, 5, or 2, and we, we hear all of the stuff that's happening in Clarksville or Nashville, the United States, but literally millions of people can be dying somewhere else, and we just don't hear about it because our news doesn't cover it because we're just too insulated. You see, just like Esther, I mean, she should have known, and it, sh- it wasn't just Mordecai's problem. We're going to find out it's Esther's problem, and she didn't even know about it. Man, let's keep on going. Look at this. Verse 5. Esther asked Mordecai what was troubling him. <laughs> Should have been troubling her. And why he was in mourning. And Mordecai told the whole story about the destruction of the Jews and gave the attendant a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all the Jews. Mordecai asked Esther to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. Now, up to this point, Esther has been no more than just a pretty face. I mean, up to this point, she's being pampered. She's been indulged in royalty. She's just surrounded with a lot of purple. We're finding out today, though, the reason why God put Esther in the influential position he did. We're going to find that out today. And not only that, Esther up to this point, she really doesn't know the purpose why God put her where he put her. Esther doesn't know the real purpose behind why she was made queen. That she had a greater purpose that God had meant for her that she has yet to discover. And I believe there's many people out there that I'm, and I'm speaking to right now that that can be your story as well. Because you have yet to find the purpose why God made you and why God put you in that position. God has been working in Esther's life. But it wasn't just for Esther. God has been working in your life, but it's not just for you because influence always involves more than just you. You see, the reason why God blesses, the reason why God loves us, the reason why God puts us in the places that he has is not just so that we can be able to get all the goodies and get all the stuff, and, and all the stuff. The reason why God has blessed you is so that you will bless other people. The reason why God loves you is so that you will tell other people of his love. The reason why God has given you all of the influence is so that you will influence other people. That is why God is getting... Now, up to this point, you know, Esther's just in the palace and getting pedicures every day, right? I'm sorry, you missed a spot. Can you get the little scrubber thing? Get that? You see, up to this point... She's just, she's just been indulged. But she's going to find out today, like we're going to find out today, why, Esther, why God put Esther in that place. She's going to find out her true purpose. And amazingly enough, this is going to be so cool, God uses crisis in order to be able to, her to be able to find it out. You know, God will use everything in your life, even the good and bad times in your life, for you to be able to realize why God has you on this earth. I've been very honest and open about this with you guys. You know, that the reason why one church started and how we became a church for the unchurched people who've never been to church before or the de-churched people who've been to church and going, deuces, I'm not going back. 
The reason why that happened was God took a crisis and a very painful thing in my life and redirected us and said, you know what, we're going to move to Clarksville. And myself and a team of people said, we are going to start a church for people who don't have a place that they feel like they can connect with God. The people that all of us got junk. That the pastor's not perfect and the people aren't perfect. And everybody knows that, but we're going to take off our happy plastic faces and put them beside us and say, this is just who I am. And if they see who I am, maybe they'll just see who, how awesome God is. You see, that happened through crisis for us. God uses crisis as we're going one direction, and it may not even be a bad direction, and redirects our focus so that we will go in opposite direction. God will use crisis like he did in Esther's life to be able to change where she's going and for her to be able to find her purpose and your purpose while God has you. I think that rocks face, all right? Now, Esther chapter 4, verse 8 Mordecai asked Esther to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for her people. Verse 10, Esther replied, All of the king's officials and even the people of the provinces know, so everybody knows. Everybody say everybody. Everybody knows that anyone, everybody say anyone. Anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die. Unless the king holds out his gold scepter. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about this. Even if you're the queen, if you show up in front of the king and he has not invited you, right? You're going, that's messed up. And I would go, you're right. But that was just the law. All right? There were some messed up laws back then. There's probably some messed up laws today. All right? You see, and it's... So Esther is telling her cousin, her male cousin Mordecai, I'm not going in front of the king. I'm going to die. I am not going to go into the king uninvited. And look what she says. She keeps on saying this. And the king has not called for me to come to him for the past how many days? 30 days. That's a month. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. King Xerxes hasn't wanted to be with Esther in over a month. Now, what King Xerxes had at his disposal was hundreds of women, hundreds of women called concubines that he could just sleep with whoever he wants to. He's sleeping with everybody, right? I mean, this is Xerxes gone wild, right? Now, I'm not saying it's right. The Bible doesn't even say it's right. That's just the culture. So uh, Esther is going, excuse me, time out, Mordecai. Number, we got two problems with your plan. Number one, Uno. First problem is, if I go to the king uninvited, I'm going to die. That's a problem. Number two. Number two, he hasn't wanted to see me in the past 30 days. That's a problem. (laughs) And these next two verses are just, this is where we're going to spend the rest of the time on. Verse 13 and 14. Then Mordecai replies to Esther. Don't think for a moment. You're thinking for a moment. Don't think for a moment. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. Don't even even think that for a moment. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. And he ends, but who knows? If perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. You probably don't know anything about Esther. You probably know that last verse because it's probably the most popular person. Everybody knows in Esther. These two verses is where I want to camp out this morning because Mordecai is telling Esther, you need to stop being quiet about your background. Now, (laughs) if... I was Esther, all right? I would be going berserk right now, all over Mordecai's head. Because if you remember, who told Esther not to tell anybody about her nationality or heritage? Who? Mordecai. And now Mordecai's saying, uh, you need to start speaking. Has anybody ever told you, hey, listen, don't say a thing. 
And then maybe a few days later, how come you haven't said anything? Right? If I was Esther, I would be going, I am going to hurt you. Because you're the one who told me not to say anything. And now you're yelling at me because I'm not saying anything? Come on. I mean, I would totally blitzkrieg. Right? So (laughs) Mordecai is saying, don't say nothing. And Esther's going, okay. And now she's not saying anything. And Mordecai's saying, hey, how come you're not saying anything? So far in the story, Esther has kept a huge secret. Huge. That the, the the queen of Persia who's married to the king of Persia, isn't Persian. She's Jewish. Not only that, that her name, Esther, isn't even her real name. Her real name, her Jewish name is Hadassah. I mean, this is Jerry Springer stuff, right? Think about this. I mean, I totally see a Jerry Springer where, okay, we got a a guest coming on today. He is king of a really very powerful country. And here comes his queen. How long y'all been married? Five years. Five years. Okay, good. Good. Okay, now, uh, Esther, if that's your real name. I mean, can you imagine being the king and not knowing your wife's, your wife's real name for the past five years? That just, I mean, I see somebody picking up a chair and throwing it on Jerry Springer, right? This is the crazy stuff. There's a, you know what, the, you know what the, the word Esther means? Her name means? Her name means to, to hide something, to conceal. <laughs> That's a good name for her, isn't it? Right? <laughs> so what is happening here is that she has been concealing and hiding her true identity. But layer by layer, God is peeling that back and is forcing Esther out in the open so that she has to talk about her true identity. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to read this again. Verse 14. Mordecai replied, if you keep quiet. By the way, that word quiet, you know where it comes from? The, the, that, that word in the original language is literally the word Esther. He's saying if you keep Esther at a time like this. If you keep hidden, if you keep concealed at a time like this. And Mordecai is calling her to identify with her own people. Mordecai is calling her, hey, you got to tell everybody you're Jewish. Not only that you're Jewish, but you serve a God who's the God of the Jews. You need to tell everybody your name is not just Esther. It's hidden no longer. Your name is Hadassah. He's calling her to be true. He's calling her to be transparent. And hear me, if you are going to be a person God uses to influence others, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. You're going to have to be transparent about your junk. You know what I mean? You, everybody knows that everybody knows around you, you have an anger problem. Everybody knows it. So why don't you start being honest and being transparent and say, Hey, listen, I've got an anger problem. Everybody knows who's around you that you have a problem connecting with friends and keeping friendships. Everybody knows that. So why don't you just be honest and transparent and true and authentic and say, this is what I'm struggling with. It's almost like God saying, listen, you can tell them or I can tell them. Right? I mean, that's what he's saying to Esther. You can, you can say, you can not say anything, but they're going to find out you're, gonna, you're Jewish and you're not going to save your hide. And I believe, and I totally believe this, that if we're going to be influential, if God is going to use us to make a huge difference, then we have to stop pretending like our stuff doesn't stink. And we have to say, this is just who I am. You know, that's not an excuse for keeping me the way I'm going to be. I need to work on my anger problem. I need to work on how to have building friendships. I need to work on, you know, I've had this past. But we looked at two weeks ago that God can use your past to impact others' lives. In fact, our big idea builds on that. It says this. God gave you your story. God gave you your story so that you will tell it to others. God gave you your story so that you can tell it to others. The reason why God chose this little orphan Jewish girl to be the queen of Persia was so that she could be in an influential position and save the Jews. That's the reason why. But she has a choice to make right now. She can choose to be silent. She can choose to just close her mouth. She has that choice. So Esther has a choice. Do I keep quiet 
Mordecai replies, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Now let's unpack that. She's, Mordecai's saying this, you can keep quiet. You have a choice. You totally have a choice here. You can be quiet. But know this, that if you're quiet, if you're quiet, you and your relatives will die. By the way, who is Mordecai talking about with relatives? Himself. Because he's, he's a cousin to Esther. He's saying, listen, you be quiet, you're going to be killed, and I'm going to be killed. And I'm not going to be happy. Right? Because I don't want to be killed. But notice this. She has a choice to keep quiet. And think about this. She is an orphan. She probably has a lot of baggage with security. I mean, most ladies' biggest need is security in their life. And know that she grew up without any parents. She probably grew up not really wanting to rely on anybody because they could be ripped away from her at any time. And Mordecai saying, listen, your fear of keeping this quiet and not wanting to say anything because... You know, of what it's going to affect, what your biggest fear is going to allow this, your fears to come true because I'm going to be killed. And you are as well. But notice this, if she keeps quiet, it doesn't put God in a bind at all. Because it says, deliverance will arise from some other place. You know, what's so cool about this is God is in control. And if you, Esther, the reason why God has you where you're at is so that you can speak up for the Jews. But if you don't, you ain't going to hinder God's plan. God's going to find another place and another person to use. But there's consequences to that. You know, the, the churchy word for that is sovereignty, and it literally means God is in control. God is in control. And you know what? You, you can either, Esther's learning this and you and I are learning this. We can either follow God's plan and be blessed, and God's going to do what he wants to do, or we can disobey God, and we're not going to be blessed, and God's still going to do what he's going to do because he's in control. All right, keep on going. God is forcing Esther out in the open to be real, transparent, authentic, saying this is who I am, to identify with her people. That's what God is calling her to do, to identify with the God of her people. And amazingly enough, that's what God is calling you and me to do today as well. God is calling you and me today who you or I, if we're Christ followers, if we know we have that relationship with God, he's calling us to identify with him. He's calling us to say, I want you to be real, transparent, authentic. Everybody knows all of your stuff, but I want you to be real and authentic and tell other people about why you are the way you are. You see, some of y'all, you've been keeping a secret for far too long. And here's your secret. Lean in. I don't want anybody to know this. Secret. Church. Secret. That you believe in God. That you want to follow him. That's your secret. But you see, on Sunday morning, it's not a secret. There is none more higher. None. We can worship. We put our hands up in the air. We can jump up and down. Woo! Monday, God who? You see, some of us, we've been able to keep our church life and our spiritual life totally separate from our work life. And God's saying, it can't be separate any longer. Just as he told Esther, you've got to be true to your identity. You've got to speak up. You've got to tell other, you've got to tell people who you really are. You've got to remain anonymous any longer. You can't do that. God's calling you and me today to not be anonymous any longer. And let me tell you what was at stake for Esther. Millions of lives were at stake. A, a, a holocaust was at stake. And let me tell you what's at stake for you and I today is millions of lives. People who die and don't know that God isn't mad with them. People who will die without God and without the love of Jesus in their heart and not know that they can actually have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. That's what's at stake. But just as Esther had to open her mouth and say something, you 
and I have to open our mouth and say something. Let me give you an illustration. All these people, by the way, were in the, in the first service this morning. Let me tell you about a lady by the name of Heidi Day. Heidi uh, found one church about two years ago. And she got a little a mailer in the mail telling about one church. And she came to one church and she was like, wow, I so enjoyed it. And she was here and Heidi's no longer with us. She's PCS. By the way, for all of you civvies, that is permanent change of station. I'm just going to throw that out there. All right. So... Uh, She uh, moved from here to Arizona. But while she was here, Heidi invited a lady by the name of Fran Deerman. And Fran, Fran, how many of y'all know Fran? Yeah, almost everybody. She's out there. She works in the children's environment. She helps check in your kids. And Fran, what's so cool about Fran is she came to church and she she started, again, learning more about God. and, And her husband was deployed. And when her husband, Rob, came back, he just started learning more about God. In fact, the baptism video we saw two weeks ago, the two guys sitting together, right? One of those guys was Rob. And Rob got baptized just a couple of weeks ago. Well, while Rob was deployed, Fran invited Lauren and Tabitha. And they started coming to one church. Rob came back home. He started coming to one church. And then Rob invited Daryl and Jennifer and Ted, and Nick, and Carrie. And as I'm saying all of these, all these people are putting up their hands in first service. And you know what? Because one person named Heidi chose to open her mouth and talk about her faith. And the power of that. Do you want to make a huge difference in somebody's life? Because you can. You have that possibility. I love what this verse says, Romans 10, 13, and 14. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be, but what? Will be saved. Now look at this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Great question. And how can they believe in him if they hadn't heard about him? That's even a better question. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That's you. That's me. Someone has to tell them. They can't begin a relationship with God unless somebody opens their mouth and tells them about it. Now, some of you are going, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm not telling you to have a Bible study with them. I'm telling you for you to tell your story to them. Because our big idea, what was it? That God gives us a story so that you will tell your story to other people. And you know the cool thing about it? I'm not asking you to open up the Bible. They can argue with you about the Bible all day, or maybe you don't feel like you know enough. They can't argue about what God's done in their life with you. I love that. So I'm not saying have a you know, hardcore Bible study with them. What I am saying is you've got to open your mouth and share your story. And just like Esther, you have a choice. You can keep quiet. And God will, all the people around you, God, God will work on them. But you won't get the blessing because God is in control. God is in control. Now, I know some of you are going, oh, but you don't know what's at stake. A lot lot of things are at stake. You know, if I open my mouth, they may laugh at me. They might. They totally might do that. Some of you, they might laugh at you because they've seen how you've lived up to this point. And you print off the racist emails and you put that around, you know, work and all your crude and, you know, unusual humor. Right? And they're going, you're a Christian? (laughs) They might do that. That might mean you may need to change. Just throwing that out there. Let me tell you another thing, though. They, it might end your relationship. It might do that. You know, the hardest people that we have to talk about Jesus to is our family because they know all of your junk, right? They know all of your stuff. We have a choice. Do we keep quiet? And just like in Esther's time, millions of people's lives are at stake, guys. of people here in Clarksville don't go to church anywhere. You probably, some of you were, you were surrounded by people at your work or in your unit or whatever that don't know Jesus. And God has placed you in that influential position so that you can be able to tell your story. You will never lock eyes on another human that God doesn't love. Do you know that? You will never. Because God loves everybody. For God so loved the world. That's John 3.16. That's everybody. 
And if God loves them, then that means we have to love them enough to make a difference to tell our story with. So are you going to make a difference? Are you going to be honest, true, transparent, authentic, and say, I know God. And I don't, I don't, I don't have it all together. But I want to invite you to know God as well. Are you going to make a difference? Is Esther going to open her mouth or is she going to allow a holocaust to happen? I want to close by showing you a clip from a video from Schindler's List. Um, If you haven't seen it, I'm getting ready to ruin the movie for you. Thank you very much. Um, But uh, Schindler's List uh, is about... uh, um, uh, what was happening around one person, his name was Oskar Schindler. He is a German. He is a member of the Nazi party at that time. But Schindler chose to stand up and he put his money where his mouth is and he bought 1,100 Jews' lives. While all of these Jews were getting shuttled to the gas chambers and getting killed in front of firing squads, he bought 1,100 Jews and, and put them to work in his factory so that they would be saved. And the clip we're getting ready to see, it's the end of the war. Germany just lost and just surrendered. And Oscar Schindler is standing in front of 1,100 Jews, and he's saying, you're safe. You're safe. You did it. And these Jews, these 1,100 people, they have nothing to give them of any value to say thank you for their appreciation for saving their lives. So let me tell you what some of them did is they had some gold fillings and some gold teeth, and they pulled their teeth and they melted down the gold and made a gold ring for him and presented it to Schindler to say thank you. At the end of the movie that you're going to see, you're going to see the actual people that Schindler saved go to his tomb and give him something just for their appreciation of saying, thanks for making a difference in my life. Let's watch this clip together. We've written a letter trying to explain things in case you were captured. (coughs) Every worker has signed it.
been two people. This is gold. Two more people. You would have given me two for at least one. You would have given me one. One more. One more person. What is a life worth? You know, the, the thing that that always chokes me up when I see that is when he says, I could, I could have done more. I could have done more. But yet, he made a difference in 1,100 people's lives. God is calling us to make a difference. He is calling you and I to influence other people. And the biggest way that we can make a difference is opening our mouth and letting them know that God loves them. You know, I've been to his tomb, Schindler's tomb. 
His tomb is located on the Mount of Olives, right across from Jerusalem in Israel. And in this this cemetery, here is a man who's not a Jew, who's a member of the Nazi party, who's buried on Jewish soil because the people around him loved him enough and said, he made a difference in my life. He made a difference. And you see all of those people, thousands of people still alive today. Thousands. Because of one person who chose to act. One person who chose not to keep silent any longer. And as they place these stones on his tomb, those, those stones are still there today. When I saw it, you barely even see his name because they leave a lasting legacy and a mark by saying, I am here because of him. We have people here at one church who say, you know what? I have come to know Jesus because of this person. Because they didn't know it all, but they chose to open their mouth and they made a massive difference in my life. Surrounded me on the edge of the stage are just tons of stones. And each one of these stones represents someone who isn't here yet. And I don't know who they are, I don't know their names, but you do. Because you're living with them. You're working with them. You're getting ready for, for a deployment with them. You know them. I don't. And I'm asking you, as Josh, as he's playing today, we're going to end the service a little differently today because I'm going to challenge you that if you are willing for God to use you, if you are willing to open up your mouth and come clean about your identity with God and say, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to tell somebody, I want you to come up and I want you to grab a rock and I want you to put it in your pocket and I want to let this be a reminder to you that there's people all around you who are looking to you so that you will make a difference. They're looking to you. Are you going to speak up? challenge you to do that and as you leave there are these cards out at the hub table Easter's just right around the corner you can pick up five of these and just say give them to your friends at work hey listen I'd like to invite you or maybe you just want to tell your story with them however that works we want to make it easy for you to be able to make a difference because you can you can do it I challenge you I don't I dare you, I dare you to open up your mouth and to move. Welcome to the planet. Welcome to existence. to the floor. 
God, it's my prayer today, Lord, that um, Lord, as we leave this place, God, we would take what we know, what we've learned today, God. We would go out and just be different, God. You would continue to teach us, God, how to influence our culture, God, um, how to influence our city. God, give us boldness. God, I think that's somewhat of the underlying story in Esther as well, God. It's just that she was bold and she did something. Um, and God, I, th- I think that that is who we should be in our community, God. Just people that don't always have the answers, but just willing to reach out, willing to do something. And so, God, we just ask that, um, Lord, this message would go with us this week. We wouldn't be able to forget it, God. It wouldn't be off our minds, God. Um, Lord, we, um, yeah, we just thank you for who you are, God. You're a great God. Amen. <laughs>